0: I've called the series The Awakening, and the series is actually on the end of time and preparing for Jesus' return. And I think that's a really relevant thing to talk about at the moment, considering where the world is at. And today is part one. I'm going to preach six sermons in this series. And today is part one, and I've titled it Are We in the Last Days? And I've used that title because I think that there is some confusion on that question. Are we in the last days? I uh, like to follow blogs, Facebook. I like to see what people are saying. I read the news. I watch what our church leaders, our church pastors are saying. I watch other sermons. I listen to Adventists church members I listen to other Christians and there is a myriad of ideas and concepts and dare I say theories out there about whether or not we are in the last days and I want to address that this morning but before I do one more time I want to ask the Holy Spirit to stay he's been here hasn't he we just don't want him to go In fact, now as we open the word, we want him to come in in even more force. And I should say this before I pray. I have no illusions whatsoever as a pastor here on what has been the success of this church this year. The music's good. It's not it. I like Claire's lessons. Do you like them? It's not that. It's not the preaching, definitely not the preaching. I do most of it, I know. The thing that has made this church successful, the one single great impact this church has had is the leading in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever underestimate that. The Holy Spirit will use anyone if he's allowed in, and we let him in this church, amen? And we pray that he'll continue to come with more force and with more power. Because we've had a good year, but next year what we want to do is we want to get so heavily into this community that we have a harvest of people out there for Jesus who find the peace and the hope that we've got. And so next year's a big year and we want the Holy Spirit to continue to come with more power. So let's talk to him now that he will be here now as we do this Bible study. Father in heaven, again we give you and you alone glory for what has happened at our church this year and for what will happen in the future. I want to thank you, God, our dear God, he who reigns on high, that you sent the Holy Spirit to be with us in our worship this morning. And now I pray that he will stay, that he'll speak through me, his servant, more importantly Lord to your people in this church watching this online and television may they be convicted if this message be the truth may they be convicted to know you more is my prayer alone Jesus and nothing else in your name amen are we in the last days that's a good question are we in the last days in fact let's have a straw vote and you don't need to feel ashamed of this either way Uh, if you feel like we're in the last days put your hands up Okay, if you're not sure, you think we've got some time left, let's see your hand. There's a few there, but I suppose if it was a straw vote, it would go. The majority would say, well, yeah, we are in the last days. Look, that's right, because I'll tell you what, we do have a history, us Adventists, of believing that we are in the last days. You go right back to 1844. Now, that was before the Seventh-day Adventist church even existed. This is when this great movement called the Millerite movement swept across North America. And you know what Miller was preaching? He's this farmer who becomes a preacher. He is full of the Holy Ghost. He is actually, his life's an example of what can happen. He's a simple farmer. He can barely get up the front and speak to people. He's that shy. This farmer gets the Holy Spirit in him, goes out and begins to preach because he'd been studying Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9 and he was convicted that Jesus was coming on October 22, 1844. Now, if that was the real case and you were alive, then you would better bet you would get excited, wouldn't you? Well, I'm saying, if, if I was saying that Jesus is coming on March the 15th, 2016, would you be excited? I would be. I'll be making sure my life is right for the Lord too. Because on March the 15th, I'd want to be re And 300,000 people across North America and into Europe got ready to see Jesus come. They were excited. Sold their farms, sold their houses, sold their business put everything they had into the work because Jesus was coming. And if you're a Christian... The truth that Jesus is coming ought to excite you. I think there's not enough excitement in Adventism to the fact that Jesus is coming. Amen. He is coming, amen? amen. And we ought to be excited. And they're excited, but most of you know the story. There was a great disappointment. Well, the Adventist church was formed in 1863. 20 odd years after this great disappointment many people after this great disappointment Jesus didn't come they'd sold their farms their houses their businesses they'd given everything to the Lord they were disillusioned they were discouraged and many of them left the Lord altogether but there was a small band of people who were on fire for Jesus And recognising that it was not the Bible but them that got it wrong, they began to study and they became the Seventh-day Adventist church and most of us ought to say hallelujah this morning for that. This church which has had such an impact in in millions of people's lives all over the world had a, a deep impact on the life of my own family. It started in 1863 and right from the beginning in our very DNA, right deep down inside of us, was the hope, was the expectation that Jesus was coming. It's been a part of us since our beginning, in our DNA. And you can look right through our history. I've got a picture up here of the 1936 General Conference session in San Francisco I haven't been to a, a general conference session I've been to a number of sessions From uh, our own division union Through to the conference in this area I think How many of you have been to a general conference session here We've got our Yeah there's, there's a few Would I be right in saying that at these sessions One of the preeminent themes Is always the return of Jesus Am I right Pastor I'm right. Because it's in our DNA. In fact, the word Adventist means what? Huh? Second coming, he's coming again. All those, it means Jesus is coming. It's in our very name. We are seventh day Sabbath keeping Adventists, we are Sabbath keeping people who are waiting for Jesus to come. So no wonder there's excitement in our midst about the return of Jesus. It's who we are. Now, I am a, and I think I've told you this before, fourth generation Seventh-day Adventist. I feel like Paul when I say this, but I'm a third generation pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist church. I was very close to my grandmother. She died in 1904, and she was almost 101 years old. So, Lizka, you've got a long, long time to put up with me yet, girl. I'm going nowhere fast. She's 100, almost 101. She's a pastor's wife. She used to tell me, Lloyd, I used to talk to her all the time, actually, it's my mum and dad and my grandmother that I used to go for advice in ministry with. Now it's just my mum and dad. But my grandmother was very instrumental in my life. She'd tell me what it was like to be a pastor's wife and to be a pastor back in the 20s, 1920s, and 30s. Um I think everyone listened to the president back then, Pastor Michael, from what my grandmother said. There was no mucking around. And she would tell me that in August, September, they would begin to pack every year they begin to pack all their belongings because they got moved every single year. And they, my grandfather was an evangelist and he would move from town to town to town. Right around Australia He worked in Western Australia He worked in Victoria He worked here in Sydney He was a pastor of Blacktown He was a pastor of Hurstville He was a pastor of Parramatta And every now and again Here even at this church I have an elderly person come up to me And they shake my hand And they say What was Pastor Grollerman your father? Well I don't know how old I look (laughs) Because if he was alive today He'd be about 125 years old well, was he? No, he was my grandfather. Well, he baptised me when I was a small child. Well, yeah, he must have. <laughs> He'd be 125 today, I think. The thing is this, he was a sawdust trail pastor. Do you know what they are? Do you know what they are, Pastor Lyle? Sawdust trail pastors. They're a bit like what some of you evangelists are. They'd go into a town that was unentered. I actually have church planting in my blood, Pastor Michael. My grandfather was a church planter. They would go into a town, they did it differently than we do it today. They'd just set up a tent, put up a big sign, put sawdust on the floor of the tent and invite the town to come and listen to the gospel story of Jesus. Do you think back in those days the town would turn up? There was no TV. Oh, praise the Lord, there's no, no TV in our house either, is there, Liska? Liska's banned the TV from our house. Oh, yeah, the that is the TV. That, a TV. that was, this actually was my TV before I was married. It's not allowed in the house. It's been banned. I, I even had to, to take up a um, I had to take up a um, I had to pay twenty nine dollars to the Australian Cricket Board this season so I could watch the cricket on my on my video because Lizzie doesn't let the You don't know about that. Oh, that might have been a mistake. <laughs> there was no TV. There were no video games. There was no movie theatres. There was no entertainment like that. People would just flock into these tents. And you know what my grandfather would preach? He'd preach what you're about to see on the screen now. Daniel chapter 2. And at the very climax of his entire presentations would be the theme that Jesus is... Watch the signs, he would say This is almost a 100 years ago Watch the signs And there were some signs My grandfather lived through World War I He preached through World War II In fact, my grandmother would tell me stories about how when he was preaching from Daniel 2 The tent would be set up. The sawdust was on the floor, and he would be preaching with pictures because they didn't have video screens like this. And my grandmother would tell me how people would come in in the in in the heart of well in the heat, the heart of the uh, uh, the most climactic battles of World War II. They'd come to my grandfather's outreach programs, and he would take them to the feet. And, And here is Hitler and his Nazis swarming across Europe defeating the Russians, defeating the Yugoslavs, defeating the British, defeating the French, defeating the Bulgarians, defeating every army that stood in his way. And my grandfather would get up the front with confidence and he'd say, Hitler will never rule the world because the next world empire, and he'd take them to the feet of this image in Daniel 2, the next world empire will be who? Come on, Adventists will be who? Jesus. He's the next king of this world. And people would come to Christ, become Seventh-day Adventists because of the hope of the return of Jesus that burned in the hearts of our early Adventist people. And before you're too hard on our movement, Paul himself, the apostle, 2,000 years ago as he sat in jail waiting to be executed by Nero. Paul believed that Jesus would be coming soon. Read this with me. Titus 2.13, Paul says, We should be looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. But in Australia, there are mockers. You know what? Australians don't like to wait. You look at what happens when there's a delay at the airport. We don't like it. What happens to you if you stare? I did it this morning to someone actually. If you're at the lights and they might be looking at their phone or looking and the light turns green, how many seconds do we give them before we blast the horn at them? <laughs> well, if it's Andrew Hunt, it's nothing. I've been with him. If they don't move in 0.5 of a second, no, I'm just as bad. I did it to someone on the way to church this morning. I tried to do it in a friendly way because I knew I was going to church. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the lights the other day, and uh, it was one of those times where it's going re- green and then it stayed green for 10 seconds and not even that, five seconds. It turned red. There's a guy behind me. It turned green. I knew we weren't going to get through. We weren't even close to getting through There's at least half a dozen cars in front of us And I dawdled up to behind the car that was in front of me And there were two guys And I looked in the rear vision mirror They were blasting the horn at me They had their big hairy tattooed arms out the window They were swearing And one of them got out of the car And I thought, oh no (laughs) But I had Lucky on board You know who Lucky is? She's an American Staffordshire Bull Terrier And she could see that she was sleeping in the back seat She could see that something's going on Because this guy goes to get out of his car I don't know what he was going to do And Lucky gets up Comes round to the front Onto my knee Sticks her head out the window (laughs) And she looks at this bloke And she said, go ahead, make my day Australians are impatient We like our food fast We don't like waiting on the telephone line for Telstra to fix the internet up We all want the NBN now We want to download our movies in a half a second We are a people used to getting what we want immediately And because of that because the church has been waiting for 2,000 years for Jesus to come, there are mockers. God has a message for you this morning if you're a mocker. Let's look at it. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Know this first of all, that in the what days? Last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming For ever since the fathers fell asleep All continues just as it was from the beginning of creation Now now I want to just give you a warning It is true that the church And I'm kind of reflecting something I said to you last week It is true that the church has been waiting for Jesus 2,000 years But you haven't And neither have I And I'm 52 years of age, and if God blesses me, I might get another 30 or 40 years, 40 years if I keep going to the pool, Iska, and getting fit, eating healthy. Oh, man, how can you talk about eating after yesterday? Man, did we eat. I went back. No, it's all right. I haven't had to wait long, and nor have you, and nor will you have to. I've sat by the bedside of enough saints. i just come out of Wurunga 14 years at Wurunga Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's, it's an, it, it, There are many elderly people in that church. I've sat by the bedsides of many people in the last decade and a half and watched them go to sleep in Jesus. None of them had to wait that long. You won't have to wait long. Do you get that part of it? But here's the second thing. The church has been waiting for 2,000 years for Jesus to come. But how long did the church wait the first time? 4,000 years. God doesn't kind of see time like we do. He sees it differently. The church waited 4,000 years for the first time for the Messiah to come. We've only been waiting 2,000. And in the context of eternity... Is nothing. In the context of your life, when you are only given seventy years, you get anything over seventy, praise God. It's nothing. None of us wait long. So don't fall into the trap that the scoffers do. So are we in the last days? I want to look at three signs pretty quickly. There are a lot of signs we could look at, but I choose three today. Matthew 24, verse 36, I want to make this point. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. No one knows when Jesus is going to come. And if anyone says to you they do, it it surprises me in Adventism how often I come across groups of Adventists still setting times For either the close of probation or the return of Jesus, have you seen it? I am stunned. I am stunned. That can you believe it, Lyle? With the history we have, with the with the Bible, the text, the script, I'm stunned. But we see it. The Bible's clear. No one knows when Jesus is going to come. Just who? Who only? The Father. But I want to show you this text too, Matthew chapter 24 verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it, the second coming of Jesus is near. So when you see signs, Jesus says, you can know that my return is near. I have, I have three fig trees. I have a brown turkey fig tree and two others. I've never tasted a fig from them. Because we have these rotten cockatoos Honestly, I am an animal lover But I would shoot these birds if I could <laughs> I have trees full of apples And they've eaten a whole lot of them Before they're even half grown And they get into my figs as well But I do know this The figs lose their leaves during the autumn and the winter When I see them starting to bud little flowers, and the leaves come back. I know that it is almost summer. And Jesus says, hey, when you see these signs, when you see these signs of the times, know, he says, know that I am almost here. So I want to talk to you, I want to talk to you just for a few moments about three signs that I think we often miss. You know, if you go to Matthew chapter 24 or Luke chapter 21, you're going to find lots of signs that tell you about the return of Jesus. Jesus talks about uh, volcanic eruptions and earthquakes and tsunamis and famines and floods, and they're all out there. In fact, I challenge you to go home this afternoon. It's holidays. You've got time. Go home this afternoon. Open the Bible. Read Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21. Go online. You can do this because you're doing a Sabbath thing. Go online, open to the Sydney Morning Herald or news.com.au. These are Australian newspapers. Go online, have your Bible open, and have a look how the signs are being fulfilled. It is sobering. Amen? If you're a Seventh-day Adventist, now I'm going to show my colours. If you're a Seventh-day Adventist and you don't think Jesus is coming soon, there's something wrong with you. I have been preaching this message for 26 years Every year, without fail, the signs become more intense I'd never heard of a tsunami until a few years ago I'm on holidays at Stewart's Point I'm camping in a tent and very flat ground And we turn the television on And there's a tsunami swept across Southeast Asia killing hundreds of thousands of people. A tsunami? A tidal wave? Isn't that a myth? I've never heard of such a thing in our age. Earthquakes so prevalent and so powerful, killing thousands and thousands almost weekly, we don't even have it register in our consciousness anymore so used to them, are we? Floods. In the last few weeks, floods in India, the worst they've ever seen in their history. And they, they're not like Australia. They have a, a long ancient history. The physical signs of an earth that is falling apart at the seams. They do tell us that Jesus is coming soon. Go home, do that this afternoon. It's an exercise. But watch this. But watch this. Luke chapter 18, verse 8. Sign one, three, and they're going to be quick. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? I reckon that's a huge sign. Jesus, this is him speaking, says, Nevertheless, when I come, will there be anyone left on the earth who has faith? I tell you this morning, There is great wickedness on the earth today And there is a resistance There is a hardening resistance Amongst many to the truth And I'm seeing it in my ministry There's a defiance There's a hostility To the truth Let me give you a Let me give you an example. Star Wars. Some of you might not like this example. That's okay. I don't mind giving examples people don't like. I hear people in Adventism, sometimes even preachers, talking on Facebook and... Other places about their plans to go see Star Wars or to Some I've heard even say we're gonna go see it, then we're gonna to come to church and we're gonna uh, um, we're gonna discuss it in sub school. Others talk about how they're gonna have a church service. This is the truth. A Star Wars themed church service where they encourage everyone to come to church dressed in Star Wars theme. I don't know who I'd be if we did that. Probably the little fat fellow, what's his name? Yoda. Is that it, Yoda? That's who I think I'd be. (laughs) You'd be Princess Leia, babe. (laughs) And Andrew, you'd be Luke Skywalker. (laughs) You can see that I have actually, I've seen it. Not the latest one. So when we, as pastors or preachers, encourage our people, encourage the world not to go and watch these sorts of movies. What sort of reaction does that bring in the hearts of not just the world, but our own people? It's often hostile. And how do I know? Because I've got a hostile reaction this week when I encourage people on Facebook, don't go and watch this program, don't go and watch this movie. Let me give you some facts here about Star Wars and then I'll tell you why I'm sharing this as an example. And I'm using it as an example, just an example. May the force be with you. David Myers, pastor, used to be a witch. And you can find this sort of information all over the internet, just Google it. This term, may the force be with you, is a term used by those who are in the occult. When they leave each other, when they say goodbye, it's an occultic term, and it's in a mainstream movie, and it's in a mainstream movie for a reason because it's breaking our minds down. It is a is Star Wars, a great adventure. You you betcha it is. I can sit there, goggle eyed and glued to the screen. I kind of like the idea of of um, going off into space and fighting against. Dark aliens be more exciting than what I'm doing, Michael Worker. (laughs) Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and Yoda appear as familiar spirits to advise and teach Luke Skywalker. Do you know what a familiar spirit is? Obi-Wan, Kenobi and Yoda, this is in the earlier movies, when it happens, they're dead. And they appear as spirits after they've died to teach the hero, Luke Skywalker. And the people of God sit there and take this in. And there's no defences springing up in their mind to tell them what's going on. Moving objects, books, by the power of the force is occultic and can only be done by a demon following your instructions and he does that because he wants to bring destruction to you the word jedi is an ancient form of another word that described the pagan priests in Moses and Aaron's day and who defeated them god now, I'm not here to really tell you what's wrong and right with Star Wars today. What I'm here to do is illustrate to you what is happening to our minds because we watch these sorts of movies. Our culture is saturating us. It is a wicked antichrist culture. We are creating, building neural pathways in our minds and it is making, very, it, is making it very difficult for God to be able to reach us. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so when preachers or Christians come forward with statements because our neural pathways have been built, because we have been conditioned to a wicked, evil, antichrist world and its ways. So when we hear the truth, there is a resistance and there's even a hostility. And what an idiot... That man or woman is saying that What a crazy person They're not crazy They just haven't had the neural pathways That we have built in our own minds That are saturating them with evil And that's why Jesus says When I return Will I find faith on the earth It's not a reflective statement It's a warning statement And it's a huge sign Jesus is saying Draw close to me Spend time in the word. Spend time in prayer. I've been preaching this all week, all year to New Hope. Ask for the Holy Spirit to baptize you. Ask every day. Ask every moment you think about it. Because only as we are saturated in God Is he able to destroy those neural pathways That we with the demons have built And can we truly become convicted by the truth Do you get what I'm saying? Huh? So it's just an illustration I'm not saying, oh, tear your tickets up For Star Wars Well, actually I am saying that (laughs) But I understand the pointlessness of such preaching. I can get up here and I can talk to the young people, Hannah Banana, about their music. You've got good music, don't worry. I can say, delete it from your, what is it, iPod or phone. It's rock music or it's ...of the devil or it's demon-possessed. Uh, it's talking about uh, immorality and the occult and law. Uh, that, that, ...that's true. But no young person's going to be moved to change... Unless they have a conversion experience with Jesus Christ That's what Jesus is calling for When he sees the signs, he doesn't want you to say Oh hello, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming He wants you to say the Lord's coming And through the grace of Jesus Because I've got a converted relationship with him And I'm covered by his blood I am ready And I'm going to do what I can To share that message with fathers out there in the community too That's what the signs are there for Second big sign I like this one I'm going to preach more on it in the next few weeks Revelation 13 verse 3 I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain And his fatal wound was healed And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast This is I'll unpack this scripture more But what the Bible is really saying Is just before the end of time There will be a unity among the Christian religions. And this unity will be led by Rome. And I'm going to unpack this in the next few weeks in another sermon in this series. There are some fascinating things going on in John chapter seventeen, verse twenty-one. This call for unity is based actually on the scripture because Jesus, in a very important prayer in John seventeen, says, "I pray that 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 you, my church, my people, Christianity, we're not the only ones that are that belong to the that can be called the children of God." Amen? Amen. They're children of God right across all the churches. Hallelujah. And when the Lord comes, there'll be Methodists and Presbyterians, Seventh Day Adventists, Baptists. They'll all be re- there'll be people from all these movements that will come through to the truth and be ready for Jesus when He comes. And Jesus says, "I pray that they will all be what one." one. This is a prayer of Jesus. We need to take it seriously, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. But if you're going to be one, you've got to be one based in the truth. You can't be one by compromising the truth. It doesn't work. We need to be one in the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the what? The truth. I haven't got a lot of time. My time's up. But you can see four people on the screen there. In the top left-hand corner is Kenneth Copeland. He is the worldwide, recognized worldwide leader of the charismatic movement in January 21, 2014. And I just want to show you how there is a headlong rush amongst Christianity now to have unity. In, in 2014, January 21, Kenneth Copeland ran a conference for all his preachers. The guest speaker was a guy beneath him, a guy by the name of Tony Palmer and Tony Palmer came and it was an you can see it you can google it and I'll I'll share this on the screen in the next few weeks Tony Palmer comes with his mobile phone and he has a message from the pope to all these charismatic pentecostal preachers from all across north america the fastest growing church in the fastest growing protestant christian church in north america and the pope was calling them to unity not unity of doctrine not unity of teaching and not unity in the scripture but unity of purpose in other words he was saying we have the pope was saying we have things in common and we do amen we do have things in common He said, we need to be protecting the unborn. He said, we need to be defending marriage. Is he right? And he says, we need to come together and be a unity of one on these foundational principles. In fact, Tony Palmer is there and he's saying, don't worry about all the doctrinal differences we have. We can sort them out in heaven. Let's just unite on what we have. In fact, he made this stunning statement to these Protestant preachers. He said, the Protestant Reformation is over. Time to come home. And they applauded him because the church is rushing into headlong unity. And that's an amazing prophecy when I unpack this in the next few weeks I I could go on but time's up Rick Warren down in the bottom right hand corner Joel Osteen, um, T.D. Jakes, Justin Welby who's Archbishop of Canterbury And other Protestants are all reaching across to Rome and encouraging their communities And these are the men who lead Protestantism today these are the megachurch pastors. These are the ones that thousands of millions listen to and they are all reaching over the chasm to Rome and Rome is reaching her hand back to them and there will be, as the prophecy said in the very near future, unity in the Christian church, at least a level of it, and it is an amazing, powerful sign that soon we will see Jesus return. Never has this happened before. In fact, in 2017, I don't know whether you realise this, the Reformation will be 500 years old. That's when Martin Luther, who happens to be a great hero of mine, and I ascribe to his doctrine, which is the Bible doctrine of righteousness by faith. I pray that it will become a fire in my own denomination, Adventism. Righteousness by faith. The fact that you are saved by faith in the blood of Christ alone is called grace. That's the saving message the world has to and needs to hear. They need grace. Everything comes after grace and the blood of Christ. That's what they need to hear. Well, Martin Luther nailed his thesis 500 years ago. Do you know that next year that's 500 years ago and there'll be celebrations? Listen to this. I'm quoting the highest representative of German Protestantism, Nicholas Schneider, chairman of the Council of the Evangelical Church in Germany, met personally with Pope Francis, this is just a few weeks ago, to invite him to the anniversary during this meeting, the Pope underlined how important it is, for him to, it is for him that we as churches walk together in unity on the path testifying faith in God's word. Snyder said the conversations with the Pope and the Vatican contribute to build trust and he invited the Pope to the celebrations of the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. And there's a fair chance that he's going to go. I think Martin Luther might have something to say about that if he was alive today. The last one, Matthew twenty-four, fourteen, and this gospel—I love this—of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. I was going to start to show you a video, but I'm out of time, so no video. But I'll say this, and I said it in church the other day: the world's becoming so hostile. The Western world's becoming so hostile to Islam. But they're the great people group that we are yet to reach, amen? Amen. Remember I told you about Adventist World Radio? I think it was, they have 10 million hits a day now. Isn't that incredible? Amen? Amen. Do you remember I said where the number one group of hits are coming from? Good to know you're all listening carefully. (laughs) China. That's the number one place our message is going to at the moment. I haven't been to China, but they reckon when you go to China, you can't get in the church. You go to worship on the Sabbath, you can't get in the church. You've got to turn up at 6 o'clock just to get a seat. Well, we've still got plenty of seats, hallelujah, here at New Hope. Amen? I believe that spirit's coming to our church in this country, though, don't you? Don't you believe that? I believe it. The number two, people language group. So the Chinese are the first. And the number two is who? It's the Arabic Muslim world. Do you know right now in China, there are a 100,000 missionaries that used to be Muslim, and right now they are going at great personal cost To the Islamic world. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. These kids are putting their lives on the line to take the gospel to the Islamic world. And every time I see an Adventist on Facebook going off about Islam or the Muslims or the terrorists or this thing, I cringe. And you know why I cringe? Because they are children of God And they have to be reached just like you were reached And they deserve to hear the story of a Jesus who died for them Just as much as you did, amen Amen. The gospel will go to the world Jesus said And then the end will come are we in the last days Luke 21:28 Now when these things begin to happen when they begin to happen God said look up lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh